Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Weekdays at 5.30. We are 6.40 Toronto. They're on strike in the United States. The auto workers are. And whether or not you think this is going to last or not, it's quite problematic. It's quite problematic. And does this influence how we're going to be when the, when the big Detroit three, as they're now being called, um, end up walking out and walking off the job, which they did at midnight? Um, it's going to affect everybody. It's going to affect. Of course, there's going to be a ripple effect. If you've ever been to Windsor and I lived obviously in Michigan for 10 years and I lived in Windsor for a little bit prior to that before moving across, everything's about the auto industry. Everything's about the, the auto worker unions. And everything's about the auto industry. And uh, workers stepped out and decided that they absolutely positively can't can't get close to a negotiation right now with the bosses. They want a four-day work week. They want to work 32 hours, four days a week, instead of 40 hours, five days a week. And they want more money to do it. And it's not, it's not necessarily like uh, they... How would I put it? It's not they're watching other industries and using those as sort of bellwethers and saying, well, they're getting this. So why don't we ask for that? But these are astronomical. The like the best way I've seen the demands described by the United Auto Workers, ambitious, really ambitious. But all three automakers reported record or near record profits. We're coming back to the grocery game again. So the union says they're getting this. Let's us get some of that. Um, so, yeah, it's 13,000 of the UAW's 145,000 workers. It's a targeted strike. But so it's not every single auto worker in the United States stepped away. They're on picket lines. They're they're making their own fires today and wanting you to honk when you drive by. It's not all of them. But for GM Ford Stellantis, this is the first time in the history of the United States that all three Americans, America's yeah, unionized automakers have been out at the same time, they got no deal done by 11.59 p.m., so they are out. And some UAW members are going to work, that's for sure. But they're asking a ton, a ton right now. And I don't know when government gets involved. And if you're wondering, Canada's auto workers, they're rep by uniform. They could strike on Monday, on Monday of this week, the 18th. Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Weekdays at 5.30. We are 6.40 Toronto. Leadership debate last night in Thunder Bay. You know, I keep hearing that word front runner. I use it. We fall into that trap. Do you remember Lucy taking the football away from Charlie Brown? I'll hold it this time. You can kick it. You can you you can kick. And then she pulls the football away and he goes flying every single time. I think we do that sometimes with front runners. And we certainly uh, do that with polls a lot right now. Remember Brexit? Yeah, that wasn't going to pass. Great Britain was not going to leave. The United Kingdom was not going to leave Europe. Donald Trump, he's not going to win the nomination. He's not going to be a contender to the nomination. Oh, oh, um, he's not going to be president. These things happen from time to time. We've seen it recently in our own politics. Peter McKay was the front runner going into the 2020 Conservative Party of Canada leadership election. Aaron O'Toole became the leader. Um, the front runner was not Doug Ford going into the Ontario PC leadership in 2018 with Patrick Brown's departure. And I can keep going. When I was a little kid, it was John Cretchen's time when Pierre Trudeau vacated. And then John Turner, a guy that many people hadn't heard of six months earlier, kind of delayed that for a good nine years or so. So I know Bonnie Crombie's described as the front runner. She's raised the most money. 
High profile in the GTA. But I always worry about that Toronto lens. And I knew she'd have a target on her back last night. We're going to play you some of how uh, Yasser Nakvi went after Bonnie Crombie. But here's, you know, I think choice A1, choice A2 as to who can potentially win here. Nate Erskine-Smith, Liberal Beaches East York MP, talking about the most important thing a politician should have. We deserve fairness and compassion for those in need. All delivered with honesty and integrity. The most important value in politics. We also need serious, credible, and ambitious ideas to get housing built, market, and non-market to deliver the density that we need, to fix our struggling public health care system, access to family health teams and doctors, home and community care for our seniors, and addressing mental health and addictions. All that stuff the Liberal Party wants to tackle. Here's Mississauga Mayor Bonnie Crombie. She nails it here with health care, though, and this... The only worry with this comment is I don't know if it differentiates itself from the NDP and you have to find a way. They did a really poor job of that last summer because the liberal and NDP policies were identical about health care and a lot of other issues. Here's Bonnie Crombie from last night. The system isn't in crisis. It's broken. And the one thing we agree on as liberals is we all believe in a universal single-payer health care system. We don't believe in private medicine, and that's what Doug Ford is doing. He's moving us incrementally towards private medicine, where you're going to have to bring your credit card as well as your OHIP card when you go into a clinic. And that is simply wrong. Now, I can picture Mart Stiles, the NDP leader, saying that she said it a ton. And the NDP MPP said that a ton this past February and March when they expedited, uh, you know, MRIs and scans and and even surgeries to create uh, to, to lessen the backlog. Here's Yasser Nakvi, as promised, the uh, federal MP on Bonnie Crombie. He digs in pretty deep here. This is something she's going to have to counterbalance in the next four debates. I think in this race, you should be looking at what each leadership candidate's instinct has been. If your instinct has been to say one day that you're open to uh, land swapping Greenbelt and then putting out a statement the next day you misspoke, then think about that. If your instinct one day was to say that you will uh, govern from right of center and then the next day say, no, you're a liberal and you won't, then you need to consider that. Instinct matters in politicians, in your leaders. Watch carefully about people present in front of you. That's harsh, but it's going to be harsh. He wants the job and he doesn't want her to have it. That's going to be harsh when that ends up being the case. Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Weekdays at 5.30. We are 6.40 Toronto. We're joined right now by the mayor of Brampton. He is Patrick Brown. Patrick, thanks for coming on Toronto Today. As always, I appreciate the time. Good morning. It's always fun to be on. What was your reaction yesterday to these moves that that at least will help builders and developers save money on taxes? Is it a start, but municipalities like Brampton need to hear a lot more? I think it's a positive step in the in the right direction. I think it's going to encourage more purpose-built rentals. So I applaud both the provincial and federal government for immediately saying that they're going to they're going to do that. I think there's a lot more that can be done, but whenever they do the right thing and it's a step in the right direction, you uh, you applaud it. And and would you if it went further and it covered bought condominiums or especially if it covered bought uh, you know duplexes and and single dwelling households that's a massive thing as well I don't know it, you'd feel like they'd have rolled it all out at once had they wanted to do that that would help people tremendously with the burden of the taxes on on new houses right now because right now we're not selling and we're not buying the market's just kind of static right now. Yeah, you know, I would welcome that, um, but you know, that is small tinkering around the around the edges. You know, when they say just to meet the demands of growth, we're going to need to triple the volume of home construction in Canada. Um, you know, these are all small measures that will 
you know, make it a little bit easier. But to really create more housing, you have to change the system. And, you know, I look at right now in Peel region um, to meet the new growth targets. Uh, we have a $9 billion deficit for servicing, which means like water, wastewater. Um, how is that going to be funded? It takes it takes 10 years to build new servicing capacity, and there's no federal or provincial funding uh, for servicing. And so I see housing projects that get stalled every month because they don't have servicing. You yeah. can't build a new subdivision without water. And so, you know, they're, uh, or the ability, you know, to, to have wastewater. And so I look at those issues as being much more significant in the housing crisis than some of these smaller matters. I've had a couple people just approach me uh, kind of out of nowhere, and they say when you're talking to mayors and when you're talking to decision makers and we're talking about immigration, sometimes, Patrick, it's not the people or even the jobs that they'll that they'll end up getting and what they contribute to the economy. It's two things. It's where can, where can they go to school, and it's do we have the electrical grid as well? How are those issues in Brampton? Are your schools overcrowded, and, and do you have enough of a grid to take that many so, hundreds of thousands? in it's a great revenue tool for universities and colleges um they love it uh the challenge is there's no plan for housing you know i love the fact that we welcome international students i look at our own mpp in brampton amarjot sandu who came as international student worked his tail off and now he's doing a great job in the legislature there are so many stories like that of of success success stories um but the reality is you know these colleges and universities are taking no ownership over housing, and if, if they're going to have this massive revenue tool of all these students paying much higher rates, then I think they, they need to have a, a greater stake in the game of, of providing housing. Patrick Brown's the mayor of Brampton, joining us on Toronto today on six forty Toronto's eight eleven. I'd I'd ask you this um, because I think a lot of coverage comes, but you know, as you know, very Toronto lens, and we hear about Olivia Chow talking about needing federal assistance and other councillors as well because of refugee claimants. I read today in the Brampton Guardian. Your numbers are unbelievable. Lay some of that out for our audience. Uh, you need the help as much as anybody does. So when you talk about downloading costs to municipalities, that's a uh, that's a great example. Um, you know, right now in Peel region, we've never turned away someone from our shelter ever in our history um, until this summer. And now we've been turning away probably 100 to 200 um, uh, people seeking shelter uh, a week. Largely is driven by asylum claimants um, from Africa. You know, the government of Canada expanded the eligibility of where you can, you know, claim um, uh, asylum and the, and the rationale for claiming asylum. And there has been an uptick. The problem is, I'm glad Canada is being compassionate, but provide the funding. It's inhumane, you know, to have a criteria where you welcome more people and then not provide a basic um, amenities as you transition in, in, into the country. And so, you know, right now I see a potential um, tragedy on the horizon when I see people um, outside when there's a thunderstorm, you know, I worry about the conditions, but we're heading towards winter. There's going to be fatalities mm-hmm. if you have people without without housing being abandoned um, with no settlement in, in, into the country. And so, you know, I moved a motion yesterday at Peel Region Council pleading for help. We're running, municipalities are not allowed to run a deficit. That's yeah. the that's the rule. Provinces and feds can. This has always been funded by the federal and, and provincial governments. And right now, Despite the fact we've had to turn away hundreds every week, um, we're at 250% capacity and we're running a $13 million projected deficit for this year, which means we have to take money out of other programs. 
that, that, that could be key, like seniors dental or, or, you know, affordable housing. So it's just a horrible situation. Last thing, I think it's a really honest question. How, how do they end up in Brampton and why do they come there? Do they think same thing? Like we think about big cities and big cities are always going to draw immigration. They have for, for decades. What's in Brampton that's appealing? Is it, is it knowing someone? Is it a relative? Do they think there's a promising job opportunity there? How do they end up in your city? So um, our, the shelters are run by the region, so so Peel region, and we have we have the largest airport in Canada with with the Pearson Airport, and so um, we get a huge uh, huge influx um, into into Peel region just because that's where the airport is. Yeah, yeah, that has to that has to end up being it. And to your point, yeah, it's San Francisco, Portland, Seattle. They don't have winters like we do here. Boston, New York City. You stay outside in the winter you die like it's a it's a it's a very harsh truth so when we point it out and talk about it it's it's out of compassion and trying to trying to save people i got a roll for now thank you so much for the time today my pleasure patrick brown joining us mayor of brampton let me back up and tell you that yeah their system operating at 247 percent capacity 730 asylum seekers in the system so if you think and by the way if you're in a municipality you already know and you see it in your streets as well. I see it in mine. And when I bring it up and point it out and we talk about it, Ajax residents talk about it or Richmond Hill residents or Markham residents, the first thought is compassion. The first thought is how do we prevent this? Not, oh, I can't stand seeing it. You can't stand seeing it because the human condition matters to you and you have compassion and you want to help or you want to sound the alarm bell. So someone who can help will and Generally speaking, those end up going to either charities or or politicians. Like, there's no other way to describe it. It's a horrifying situation. And yeah, he's right. Double standard with how the federal government responded to refugees from Ukraine who matter also and those coming from African countries. I'm glad someone's saying it. We got to say things that are true sometimes. And it's wrong. Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Weekdays at 530. We are 640 Toronto. I'm sure when things break over the weekend, if they do, for the auto workers here, for the auto workers in the U.S. of A., you'll hear about it on the Roy Green Show. I'm always tuning into it, always driving around, always sitting in the parking lot like a weirdo, but I'm entertained by my man, Roy Green, and he joins us right now on Toronto Today. It's great to have you on. You've been through a labor dispute or two. This is old hat for you this weekend in case something breaks. Oh, yes, Greg. I've been through quite a few, and specifically with the steel company in, uh, in Hamilton. Though those strikes used to be nasty, like really nasty. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing more and more of this. We have the ports, of course, uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia ports, Montreal. Um, you know, that's a problem there as well. But this, this auto workers issue in both Canada and the United States, that's one that we really have to watch the impact on our economies, mm-hmm. both of our economies, very significant. Um, I know you've, yeah, I know you've got two premiers on. You've got uh, Premier Scott Moe from Saskatchewan tomorrow. You've got Premier Smith, uh, Daniel Smith from Alberta on Sunday. Um, uh, what's the what's the line of questioning, and what are you hoping to find out from them in their interviews? Well, both of the premiers have been on the show before, and they've talked about their uh, challenging uh, relationship with the federal government, and that challenging relationship just continues to uh, exacerbate. Uh, Premier Moe tweeted out uh, two days ago that Mr. Trudeau, during his G20 visit in India, completely missed the point as far as the significance of trade is concerned and that he's hurting his province, Saskatchewan, and hurting Canadian trade with India. So he's going to come on. We'll talk about energy as well, which is also going to be 
the focus, one of the focuses, is it focuses or focus I? I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's going to be a focus with Premier Smith because she has just spoken out again about energy and how Alberta is committed to producing clean natural gas and exporting it to a waiting world. The, uh, mm-hmm. the provinces, Alberta and Saskatchewan, they have significant problems with the federal government. We'll hear from the premiers. It's amazing you say that because I'm going to I'm going to slip back to the conversation about what the workers are looking for in in the US uh, UAW dispute. They want what's called a just transition to EVs. And I think we all think about it and it's a very much, you know, you're in Hamilton, I'm in Toronto. It's a very much an urban thing to say, well take transit, well be more responsible. You and I drive out to the country and and maybe maybe in some of those driveways, maybe one of those cars could be an EV. But you're asking a lot. And then you go to somebody, Roy, who's on the 11th floor of a condo and they say, where am I going to charge it? And how's everybody in our building going to have a charging station overnight for their car? Like there's still a lot that needs to be thought out here. And the auto workers are saying so as well. Absolutely. And the logistics involved of uh, owning an EV, you know, it's not something that you, for for people who have an EV, have a private home, have a place, an easy place to charge them. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. But as you say, on the 11th floor of a condo building, that's a whole different reality. And we do drive large distances, long distances in this country. And in the wintertime, it's very cold. And there are issues or have been issues about batteries and uh, their longevity in the terrible cold weather. So, yeah, let's uh, probably bring, bring that up as well with the premiers because they have a national focus. Roy Green's our guest. You can hear him 2 to 5 uh, tomorrow and 2 to 5 on Sunday as well, right here on 640 Toronto and across this great country on the Chorus Radio Network. You've seen also more than enough polls, uh, and I know we were talking yesterday. I don't think it's over um, for Justin Trudeau and the Liberals, but this is it's very much all the right moves have to be made, and, and if the other leader happens to step his foot in some muck once in a while in Pierre Polyevre, then then maybe that's the case. But you and I know people get tired of governments and governments appear tired to even even undecided voters. And when that happens and it happens to every government, it happened to Stephen Harper, it happened to Kathleen Wynne here. It's trouble. It's really tough to dig yourself out. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a shelf life yep. for any political party, for any government. And uh, the liberals in Ottawa arguably have reached the end of that shelf life. Um, but polling numbers have been in free fall, or maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but not that much. Over the summer, their caucus is worried. They faced the prime minister, who has come up with uh, three initiatives. The GST will be dropped for rental construction in Canada. That he promised in 2015. Here we are eight years later, and we've had the provinces and construction associations calling for the GST removal for some time now. He's going to do that. The Competition Bureau will have more power to make sure that there isn't, this is the word that is very controversial, I guess, when it comes to major corporations working together in tandem. It's been raised collusion. It's a, it's a charged word. But if you drive mm-hmm. through an intersection in our major cities, Greg, if all the gas stations of competing energy companies have a buck seventy as their price per liter, that's not just by accident. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Uh, nothing's coincidental in uh, when prices end up uh, getting fit. We learned that from no. the, the bread scandal uh, a few months. I still haven't gotten my 48 cents back from that. I, I'm sure I was part of that class action suit. <laughs> hey, Roy, I'll be listening tomorrow, and so will many of our listeners. Thank you for doing what you do, and thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure, Greg. Thank you. There's Roy Green joining us on Toronto Today. Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Weekdays at 5.30. We are 640 Toronto.
Everybody has the product in their house. Everybody does. Official drink of the NHL. Wayne Gretzky, Connor McDavid, Andrew Wiggins, Tyler Sagan, all big names that advertised it. But it all seemed to go belly up yesterday. BioSteel filed for, filed for creditor protection in the United States. They're going to be sold for business and assets. And will the brand still be in stores? I'm really excited to bring on Kurt Bodenhausen, a sports biz reporter at Sportico. And he joins Toronto today. Now, thanks for letting us reach out to you and making the time early in the morning. I appreciate it. Morning, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Was this just about going against the other sport drink giants, Kurt? They went into the U.S. market. It's known as a Canadian brand, a Canadian company. And they went in and, and tried to get in the ring with Gatorade, get in the ring with Powerade and a few other drink companies. And, and they stumbled. Was this mostly why this has happened? Um, I, I think a few different things are going on here. I mean, it's a really competitive space, uh, as you bring up. Uh, it, at least in the U.S., 98% of the market is controlled by Gatorade, Powerade, Body Armor. Uh, and so they started playing, as you pointed out, official drink of the NHL, started playing. Those, those are big-time sponsorships, uh, costly sponsorships, and really tried to expand their brand. And they, they were losing a significant amount of the revenues were growing. Unfortunately, losses were growing faster than they were. And what was happening was it was fine when Canopy's stock price was growing up and the cannabis market was hot. Uh, but, but once the, 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 the market soured on, on cannabis stocks, stocks price started plummeting, started looking at, oh, geez, look, this is another division that's losing significant money. Uh, and they need to really think about streamlining their business. And so, so they hired Goldman Sachs at the end of last year to try to look at strategic alternatives that couldn't find a deal that worked. And then, again, did the same thing with Greenhill & Co., uh, to explore strategic alternatives, and uh, it didn't work. Is it just as simple to say the business, the biosteel business, would work on its own if if Canopy didn't sort of slide it under its umbrella and and the pot market kind of going belly up for them? Is it simple to say that that's the biggest problem then? I mean, it's a money losing business, so I, I guess that's it, it, it depends on your definition of a bit, did the business work. Mm -hmm. uh, so. So, but there are lots of money losing businesses. You need somebody that's willing to fund it, though. I mean, so that's <laughs> yeah. that, that's the issue. Uh, and Canopy owned ninety percent of the equity, and they decided that they didn't want to be that person that was uh, that 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 funding source anymore. Uh, so, if you have someone uh, that, that's willing to absorb losses and think there is a long-term path to profitability. I mean, that's the key here. So can long-term, can you make money on this product? I mean, it, yes, the product was everywhere and had big name endorsers and, uh, um, and, you know, did a terrific job of marketing, uh, but it wasn't making money. Um, and, and so that, 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 that's a problem with any company. Kurt Bodenhausen's our guest sports biz reporter at Sportico. Is it very possible that somebody picks it up in liquidation, still wants to call it BioSteel, and, and it doesn't change much about how they market, how they sell, and what the product is for people who like it? Do you think we'll still see it as a viable product on shelves? It, 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 it's possible. I, I mean, the brand, you know, in these situations, this brand has value. And, but how do you create a viable business? It's, I mean, I mean, they're laying off 95% of their employees. So uh, it's somebody who is going to, they're not going to do it with the bio steel structure of the current uh, employee base. It's going to be someone else who has to, who has some sort of uh, knowledge and, and expertise in this area and is willing to, 
uh, take on the brand, invest the money. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, a lot of these sponsorships are going to go away because they're not going to. Uh, one, you know, one, once you stop paying for your sponsorships, they disappear. Um, and, and so, if those companies want to mm-hmm. stay on at, at a reduced rate, you know, maybe those relationships continue. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's going to have to be someone with some expertise in this space. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Kurt, thanks so much for the time today. Really appreciate your expertise and, and glad we were able to track you down. You have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. Kurt Bodenhausen's a sports biz reporter at Sportico. Honestly, it, it was on shelves absolutely everywhere. Little less so in the States. Like Kurt's calling us from New York, and, and he was telling me yesterday when we talked, yeah, you see it, but Gatorade just dwarfs it. Powerade just dwarfs it. So um, BioSteel's been everywhere. Seven uh, in Canada, and it's, look, you can buy it. You're going to be able to buy it in stores until you're not able to buy it in stores. But maybe that is coming to a head, and they'll announce a date where it'll be the last chance you can get it. Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Weekdays at 530. We are 640 Toronto.